Welcome to the Medicinergy podcast. I'm Imogen, a college student based in the Southwest, here to bring you the best people with knowledge and insight on how to get into med school, how to become a doctor, and to help you decide whether a career in medicine is for you. If you haven't already, subscribe and download to hear more episodes. I'm here today with Shripada, who is currently studying medicine at Cardiff Uni and is also the social media representative for Oskizi, but we'll hear more about that later. Welcome to the Medicinergy podcast. It's great to have you on here. Hi, um, I'm Sripada, and yep, like you said, I'm a third year medical student at Cardiff University. That's great. So it sounds like you're super involved within the university and many other societies as well. But why did you initially choose Cardiff Med School over all the others? Um, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, it's actually for a multitude of reasons. Firstly, when I was looking over, you know, curriculums and stuff, because that's obviously quite important, the academic aspect. I love the idea of the whole case-based learning and the spiral curriculum that they have here in Cardiff. So um, what we do is we, in our first two years, we have preclinical knowledge and then we do them in sort of cases. So it kind of helps to consolidate the knowledge. Um, and another big reason is because I am an international student. So Cardiff is quite a budget friendly place. It's like one of the cheapest cities, I think, in the UK. So it worked out well in that sense as well. Wow, that's really good. I do like Cardiff. I've been there for an open day before. I just absolutely loved it. It was so great. It was a lot better than other unis that you'd expect to be good. Everyone was so friendly and happy to chat and really, really nice. And I'm, I'm just a visitor. But as a student, how have you found uni life living there? Um, well, to be honest, I had quite a mixed experience in the first two years, mainly because of COVID. I know I don't want to be using the C word, but uh, <laughs> COVID really did impact the first two years. But um, now that things have started like coming back in person and stuff, it's been amazing. Like, honestly, there is a really good balance between social life and work life. And I think the uni has been quite helpful in that. So usually on Wednesdays, we have like a half day so that we can focus the other half of the day on things like societies or whatever we're involved with. So that's quite nice. Um, and yeah, in terms of living here, like you mentioned, people here are so friendly. They're always here to help. And it's quite a green city as well. So like if you get sick of the city and all of that, you could just go, you know, to a little park and chill. It's really nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's surrounded by mountains and hills and greenery, isn't it? Which is so, so nice. And it's good that even though you did have, obviously, 2020, 2021 and all of that going on, it's yeah. good that you're now enjoying it. And Wednesday half days, I haven't heard anyone on the podcast say they haven't got that, actually. So I think that's yeah. quite a common thing. But it does sound like a really good idea because I haven't heard that from open days, only mm -hmm. talking to students. So that's really, really interesting. Could you tell me what your favorite case has been so you talked about case-based learning and a lot of other med schools do kind of rotations what would you say is your favorite case that you've done so far Ooh, that's a really good question um I'd say case 12 so in our second year we had a case on um, arrhythmias and heart failure so it's a lot to do with cardiology um, and I don't know if it's because of the professor who was leading that case or if it was the actual content I was learning, but I found it so like I, I was so fascinated by it. Um, so, yeah, definitely stuff to do the heart. I'm really into that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. That's so good. It's good that you enjoy it and you had like a set answer straight away as well. That's really <laughs> good that, you know, you know what you like and we'll hear more about hearts in a bit as well. Yeah. So. As I've mentioned previously, you've really got stuck into a lot of societies. And mm -hmm. um, firstly, you've been the 
research lead at the Surgical Society. So what did that role involve? So that was last year. So basically as research lead, what you do for the society is try to seek different research opportunities that the society can get stuck in with so like it's not a very conventional role you don't really see research lead very often in societies but what I did mainly last year was um, I got involved with this study about the impact of social media on medical education so more than a surgical uh, surgical research project it was more of a medical education project because I'm quite um, keen on medical education so yeah we just I I got involved and like um, tried to gauge the society's opinions on that and tried to get them involved as well And apart from that, I also helped the skills lead with running in-person surgical skills teaching sessions. So that involved things like hosting suturing teaching sessions um, alongside Royal College of Surgeons. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, Um, but they had a volunteer come down to Cardiff and like host in-person suturing teaching sessions, which was lovely. So yeah, honestly, I did a mix of things. Research lead is kind of a just a broad title for all the things I got to get involved with. No, that sounds amazing. That sounds really cool. And the impact of social media with medical education, that's, that sounds like a very interesting topic. What would you say is the impact of social media on medical education in a short answer? So, yeah, when we initially started off that study, it was obviously during COVID. So during that time, I feel like social media was a, it had a huge influence on medical education, especially when it came to like Facebook events and things like that. Um, it honestly widen participation to so many events because once you post an event on something like Facebook and you're saying that you you're going to attend it it goes out to your friends and then they see it and then they want to attend it and just like that it's like the snowballing effect and honestly I think it most of the time it has quite a positive impact on uh, medical education and yeah I think it can really um, help to you know widen participation in different aspects of medical education and yeah I think I think it's a really efficient tool. Yeah, I I agree, actually. It's really handy and it makes sense about getting a wider participation and wider reach of your audience because I follow a lot of medical schools now just seeing what they're up to and a lot of other societies. But there is so much going on you could get involved with and you would have absolutely no idea about them without social media. So, yeah, I totally agree. That's really, really helpful thing when it comes to medical education. And talking of the other societies you've been a part of you've also been the secretary of the ophthalmology society so could you just explain a little bit about what ophthalmology is and why it's important of course yeah so um ophthalmology is a specialty that revolves around the eye and the visual system and it can get confused with um, opticians and optometrists which is completely different so ophthalmologists are medical doctors so they are licensed to perform medical and surgical interventions as opposed to opticians and optometrists. Okay that's interesting that's a good point actually so what do opticians do differently to ophthalmologists you said about medical and surgical but what do opticians do that ophthalmologists don't? So I think they're mainly um, revolved around, you know, checking your power in your eyes, checking for things like astigmatism and um, when it comes to like glasses and just the visual apparatus, very superficial stuff, um, as opposed to your ophthalmologists who can actually diagnose you with different medical conditions. And even if it needs any surgical interventions, they can sort of jump in and yeah okay well in the previous podcast there was another medical student wanting to do ophthalmology and I mentioned how that would be my absolute worst nightmare because I really can't deal with eyes Uh it's the one thing I'm squeamish about (laughs) so uh it's good that you've been involved in the society 
to do with that and what did you what did you get up to when you were the secretary of that society so I think being a secretary is more of a conventional role so usually your societies have like um your treasurers and your secretaries your vice president and your president that's sort of the exco so uh being a secretary meant that I um made sure that events were posted on time so that people could get involved with them so um, things like posting on Facebook and then when it came to committee meetings I sort of took the minutes of the meetings um, to make sure we had a record of what we discussed and what we're planning to do with the society so yeah I feel like it's just um, each of these sort of roles are um, a small part of a bigger machine if you if you get what I mean so there's a secretary and the treasurer and then there's a president who just takes care and overlooks everything else yeah okay so you all work together to yeah. bring whole society as one. Another society you're part of, you're clearly doing loads within the university, <laughs> but many of my listeners are either medical students or people my age doing A-levels or IB, hoping to go into medicine. And we all have a lot of revision ahead of us and you were part of the revision society. So what would be your top tip on how to revise effectively? Ooh, <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, so when it comes to revision, I think obviously it's quite important to find what works for you best. I know everyone says this, but you have that time in uh, GCSE, A-level, and it obviously changes when you come to uni because it's not the same sort of thing. You're not spoon-fed information anymore. So when you get to uni, I think the first thing, um, like when you're having your first few lectures, just making sure you know what works for you and what doesn't. And even if it doesn't, even if you don't get it in, the, in those first few lectures, that's completely fine. Take your time but make sure you know what, what works for you. So I know some people like um, using Anki. I personally, I'm not a fan of Anki. So I use things like Notion because I, I really like the whole active recall process. So once I study something, um, I try to make notes about it and I try to recall it myself. And I also think teaching is the best way of learning. Like I cannot emphasize this any stronger, but if you ever have opportunities to be, you know, a part of teaching and if you like things like public speaking as well, it'll go hand in hand um, because, yeah, if you if you're able to teach a concept, that means, you know, it really well, you know, it inside out. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I've given a few tips there. But, yeah, the main thing is just sort of finding what works for you. And if it works for you, it may not work for other people and vice versa. Yeah, that's really helpful advice, because, as you say, not everything works for everyone. And some people use one thing, some people use another thing. So yeah. that's really helpful. Thank you about the just find what works for you and then go with that. I'm going to throw a little curveball in there. What do you think is the future of medicine? Ooh, in terms of what? In terms of potentially technology or potentially the kind of med school way of teaching. Um, in terms of med tech, I know that's a very up and coming field. It's a very promising field. A lot of things you see nowadays, like especially because I've just started my clinical placements and I'm on my surgical rotation. So I'm seeing loads of, you know, laparoscopic surgeries and it's insane how far we've come in terms of technology. So I think that's an ever growing field. It's just going to get more and more advanced in terms of the uni and the curriculum itself. Um, I think case-based learning is going to go on for a while, but um, they've already started changing the curriculum for us in Cardiff. So um, I think this is a bit too technical. So I'm not too sure if the audience um, will understand it unless they're medical students. But we have something known as the UK MLA coming up, which is an exam that all medical students at my sort of level will have to sit in their final year. 
So I think our uni is trying to prep us for that exam. So they're trying to, you know, get us involved more with um, clinical teaching and they're trying to get us uh, more involved with um, being able to answer uh, clinical vignettes. So I think teaching is going to be aimed and more focused towards that aspect of things, just so that we're able to, you know, process and be able to sit the UK MLA, you know, with no sort of difficulties. I don't know if that's what you asked. I hope that answered the question. No, no, that is interesting. Thank you. And the clinical teaching you said was going to increase and you've just started your your own clinical rotations. And obviously you haven't been on it very long, but would you say there's a main gory story that you've encountered or have heard other people have encountered because I'm on my surgical rotation uh we get to so we have certain skills that we need to get signed off so things like suturing or um you know scrubbing into surgery things like that so we were on our urology ward for the first week and uh we were able to um observe and even assist with a circumcision which was really okay. interesting. That has been the highlight of my experience uh, of my um, surgical rotation so far. It was, yeah. Wow, I haven't heard of that one before. <laughs> that must yeah. be quite. I don't know. Yeah, as you say, really interesting. Yeah, because you you go from you know reading stuff in textbooks, and then immediately in third year, you're just put onto place when you you just see all these things in person. It's it's really quite. It's fascinating, but it's also scary at times. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine it it could be quite surreal obviously I haven't done anything like that yet but if you've heard about all this stuff and then you see it like oh my gosh (laughs) no literally yeah (laughs) oh wow that sounds amazing so now on to the other thing you do which is also very exciting you're the social media representative for the brand new medical education platform called Oskizi so could you explain a little bit to the listeners about what Oskizi is and why you decided to be a part of it. Yeah, so actually, um, just a small correction. I, I was the social media lead for Oskizi, but now I'm the um, lead of preclinical teaching. I think I need to update my LinkedIn. I haven't done that yet. But okay. um, yeah, so Oskizi was basically formed um, during the pandemic. This was when, so we have this clinical examination known as the Oskis, or in Cardiff, it's known as the ISKIs, so Integrated Science and Clinical Examinations. And that exam basically tests your ability to take histories and examinations and, you know, conduct clinical skills in a simulated environment. Um, So obviously the teaching for OSCEs and ISCEs is quite interactive. It's all in person as well, because you want to be able to learn different examinations, right? But during COVID that wasn't possible. So some unis weren't even receiving much teaching. Um, Cardiff tried to do as much of it um, online as possible. So a few seniors in our uni decided to form this organization, OSCEZI, and it was just sort of to um, create a platform where they can do OSCE teaching for people who aren't who weren't able to access it at the time. And it sort of blew up over the past few years, and OSCEZI has branched out into different avenues. So there's preclinical, so preclin easy, which does preclinical teaching, and that's what I'm involved in. There's finals easy that's involved in like teaching for finals. And there are so many other things. So my role in particular is teaching. So like I mentioned, I think teaching is the best way of learning. So whenever possible, I try to take the opportunity to teach. Um, So what I do is I teach my juniors. It's a system known as a near peer tutoring or near peer teaching system. So the things I learned last year, I'll consolidate and teach it to the incoming second years, for instance, if that makes sense. 
yeah. so yeah wow that's really good actually because obviously you've just done that that content so you're yeah. regurgitating it to someone else and it's helping you and it's helping them and then you're also being part of this bigger organization as well that sounds really good yeah because quite frankly if it wasn't for something like this I don't think I'd be actively reviewing my notes from the previous year you know what I mean I just you kind of just get bogged down by the things you're currently learning so in a way this kind of forces you to review previous concepts and also highlights like high yield information or things that get tested a lot to your juniors and they find it helpful as well so it's like a mutually beneficial system if that makes sense yeah of course that makes total sense I mean it's not quite on the same scale but I'm doing it with my sister at the moment who's in the year below me and it's it, as you say the best way of learning is to teach and I'm helping her with all the stuff I've just done for GCSEs Aww. and it's helping me remember and it's helping her learn so yeah oh, things like so that. Sweet. Really... yeah <laughs> yeah it's helpful isn't it yeah yeah it's very beneficial to both parties I'd say so that's great that's great and um how can we get involved how can medical students get involved if they want this help Oh, yeah. So um, it's a completely free uh, platform. So like I said, we have um, our social media. Our Facebook is Oskizi and our Instagram is Oskizi Official. If you just follow them, you'll see that we update our events like weekly. So we have quite a few events coming up already. In terms of being an, a part of the organization, we usually look for different university representatives. So if, if you're part of another university and um, you want to um, sort of advertise OSCEZ events, then you can get a certificate from us for doing that. But I think the applications for that have already ended. But yeah, in terms of accessing our events and stuff, it's all completely free. If you just go on Facebook or Instagram and search up OSCEZ, you should find us. Brilliant. And I can link that in my link tree as well for anyone who wants to find out more. Finally, we've spoken a lot about revision and societies and medical school. What are your top three tips on how to be a successful medical student? Yeah, so um, I did actually have quite a long, hard think about this because being a successful med student is, I mean, I guess that's the be all end all like goal for all of us, but it's quite hard. And I feel like, especially with social media, the idea of being a med medical student has been so glamorized. Um, and I think like, it's also important to be realistic about it. So my first main tip is to find a good work-life balance. I know when it comes to medicine, you learn so much and you want to make it your whole life. And, you know, you're just so obsessed with it, but you also want to make sure that you have a life outside of medicine. So join societies, keep yourself active. Don't make medicine the sole purpose of your existence. Um, and yeah, try and sort of interact with non-medics as well. I mean, obviously it's good to have a circle of medics and, you know, it'll, it will eventually form because you're, you're going to be spending so much time with medics, but try and find a circle outside of medicine just to make sure you're, you know, engaging with things outside of medicine. So that would be my first tip, you know, finding a good work-life balance. My second one is it's okay to have off days. It really is. Um, like I mentioned, I feel like like there's so many things where, you know, it's like, oh, day in the life of a medical student, I wake up at 5am, I go to the gym, and then I do this. And it, it's not, it's unrealistic. You cannot keep that, like that lifestyle is not sustainable. Trust me. Um, it's really okay to have off days. Uh, you, you, you know, we are humans, we're not machines, and you don't want to burn yourself out too much. So, you know, some days you'll be really productive. Some days you'll be really on top of it. Some days, 
you just want to lie in bed and that's completely fine. And I feel like that should be more normalized. Um, and then finally, just don't compare yourself to others because everyone's good at something, you know, and uh, if someone's progressing more than you or you think that someone's progressing more than you in certain aspects, don't let that don't let that, you know, bog you down or anything. Just make sure that you're comparing yourself to yourself. See if you're making the progress, if that makes sense. But yeah, those would be my top three tips. They're all brilliant. Thank you so much. They're such valuable tips. So number one, work-life balance. Number two, it's okay to have off days. And number three, don't compare yourself to others. And I yep. think that second one about it's okay to have off days and how med school life is so glamorized. And as you say, day in the life, I have so many of those pop up on my For You page. <laughs> and as you say, it, it it does seem pretty hard to keep going for a long period of time. So I think that's really helpful just don't put too much pressure on yourself like you can have one day where you relax a little bit yeah it's completely normal yeah well thank you so much for being on the podcast of course thank you so much for having me that's all today from the medicinity podcast thank you for listening and make sure to follow leave a review and recommend the podcast to any aspiring medics